episode 57 of Slap City, guys. Ray Moore here, Mr. Mac, in this office on this hot and summer day. Fall day, officially. Yeah. But You're even wearing fall colors. How did you How did you mess that up? Like, he's wearing yellow and, and burgundy, and <laughs> he looks like leaves on the ground, and for some reason, he's still calling it summer. <laughs> well, I mean, just the way it feels right now. It's, it's like 80-something degrees right now, so. But, you know, it's mm. still... Football seasons, we basketball courts, but we talk about some football first. Uh, we have a special guest here. I've been talking to him since uh, I'll say 2015. I know him on Beach Report. His name is Gavin Gary Davenport, and he's an NFL football analysis. And he's here to talk about you know about the season and, and pretty much what's happening around these New York teams, if anything. So Gary, Trayman, Mr. Mack, how are you doing today? Oh, doing just fine. Still trying to decompress a little bit from that wild Thursday night game yesterday. Yeah, that was a great game. Speaking of that game, you know, during the game, you have Sammy Watkins and Taewon Austin, Concussion Portugal. How long do you think it's going to take for the Rams to get those players back, knowing that, you know, they won a couple of these games and they need those guys to help Jared Goff? Yeah, they've been impressive. I mean, it's put up more than 40 points two out of three games jared goff looks light years better than he did at any point during his rookie season i mean you can certainly see the fingerprints of sean McVay on that offense yeah if they can get the defense playing a little bit better i've honestly i've been a little surprised that the rams have been as susceptible to the run game the first three games of the season as they have given Aaron Donald, Alec Ogletree, Mark Barron, those kind of guys on defense. But, I mean, you look at how bad the Seahawks are struggling in the NFC West, you know, I don't want to call the Rams the best team in that division, but they could be a real challenger to Seattle this year. You think that Seattle with the offensive line problems, even though the defense is great, that really that's going to be stopping them from being a good team this year? You know, it's... I don't want to overreact because we've been down this road with the Seattle Seahawks before. Yeah, We've seen them struggle out of the gate in Seattle and everyone's, oh my God, what's wrong with Seattle? And then by November, they peel off five or six wins in a row and you realize nothing is wrong with Seattle. And Tom Cable has done a good job in recent years of taking not the greatest personnel on the offensive line and turning it into a cohesive unit as the season moves along, but Man, these first couple of weeks, that line has looked bad. And, you know, it's also not just Seahawks. Seahawks, I mean, look at the Giants as well. I mean, my goodness, man, that, that offensive line is horrendous. I mean, to, to be honest, though, from my perspective, I thought that line's been horrendous since 2012, and they still haven't addressed it at it all. Haven't, it hasn't changed a bit. I'm right with I'm right there with you. The offensive line is like the Achilles, heels of, Achilles heel of the Giants, and no one seems to care as far as the organization is concerned yeah so i wanted to ask you this question because you know you've been probably watching the giants and you saw them on monday night as well is it really an eli problem or it's just an offensive line problem or it's just everything overall i think it's a combination of the two i think the offensive line is giving eli very little time to throw the football odell beckham played against the detroit lions but you can tell he's clearly not 100 percent yeah Brandon Marshall has done absolutely nothing for that team. You know, I don't want to overreact with the Seattle Seahawks. I want to say, you know what, by November, December, they'll be fine. If the New York Giants, you can legitimately freak out about the New York Giants right now because that looks like easily the fourth best team in the NFC East. And, I mean, they have to beat the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend. If they don't, their season is effectively over before it started. 
And, it, you know, looking at Brandon Marshall, I mean, and people haven't fancy football like I do. I mean, he's just, I mean, is he just droppable at this point right now? Yeah, it depends on what else you have and what else is on your league's waiver wire. But I mean, that long pass just bouncing off his hands and <laughs> yeah. falling to the ground, yeah. that's pretty, that's a metaphor right there for what we've seen from Brandon Marshall so far in 2017. I certainly expected more from him this year, but, you know, sometimes. Sometimes guys don't decline gradually. Sometimes it's just an edge of the cliff kind of deal. And we saw him battle injuries last year. And I think maybe we just kind of assumed that he would be okay this year and that maybe the change of scenery would kind of spur a rebirth for him. He might just be done. Thinking of being done, do you think uh, Eli Manning's done? You know, he's 36 years old. but And we all know he's not a mobile quarterback. He's a statue quarterback. So looking from that perspective, I'm just surprised Ben McIndoe hasn't really – improved at all in terms of offensive line like you know we talked about before but really like is this the point where we say that manning is close to not you know being done i am not co-signing this entire line of questioning (laughs) i do not believe eli manning is done i don't think you can properly judge a quarterback with a offensive line that bad so i'm i'm jumping in before anything else gets before the expert speaks i'm gonna put my two cents just say i do not believe eli manning is done what do you think gary I don't think it. I think it's a little premature to call Eli Manning done. It's not just the offensive line struggles. I mean, the play calling, they're not doing anything to try to work these receivers open. I mean, let's see some crossing patterns, some rubs, something other than, hey, just run 10, 12 yards down the field and turn around. And McAdoo was already talking about, you know, maybe it's time for me to turn over play calling duties. And when he said that, I'm thinking to myself, you know what, maybe it is, Ben. Yeah, it is. I mean, he just got, you know, look at the overall team. I mean, even the defense, you know, I know they gave up 24 points against the Lions, but, you know, they're not playing bad either. It's just that there's been so much on the field that it's really making them tired, and then that's why they're giving up most of these big plays most of the time. And, and to be honest, I kind of feel bad for the defense because, you know, they're playing their hearts out there. Oh, yeah, the personnel is there on the defensive side of the ball, but the defense is being put in an untenable position. You can't expect a defense to be out there 40-plus minutes a game and not give up points. You can't expect a defense to be put in a position after turnovers where they're trying to defend a short field and not give up points. I mean, you have to have – you have to get something out of your offense, even on a defensive football team like the Giants, and right now they're just not getting it. Speaking of the NFC East, though, you look at the Cowboys. They they struggle against the Broncos. You know they really couldn't do anything against them. I mean that defense just really just shut them down, including the running game. Is this a type of team where where you know scouts or, or teams around the league are gonna say you know to stop the Cowboys' offense, we just gotta shut down the run? Yeah, I would think they would have figured that out by now anyway. But yeah, I mean that would seem to be the recipe. You just gotta stack that line of scrimmage, shut down Ezekiel Elliott, make Dak Prescott beat you. Des Bryant, another veteran wide receiver who hasn't looked especially impressive this year. And with the exception of Demarcus Lawrence, who has had a great first two weeks of the year for the Cowboys, that defense is not great. So, I mean, they're not a team. Their defense last year was good statistically in a lot of categories, but the offense had a lot to do with that because you're running the ball successfully. You're controlling the tempo of the game. You're keeping the defense off the field, so when they do get out there, they're nice and fresh and can force a three and out. The the Cowboys, the the NFC looks like a fascinating division this year because at this point in the year, I have no idea who the best team in that division is. Not even the Eagles, even though they lost against the Chiefs, but they look like they're a team that's coming up on the rise. 
Oh, absolutely. Carson Wentz has looked really good these first. I mean, granted, they lost Kansas City this last week, but they went into Arrowhead and played the Chiefs tough. It's, it's going to be one of the more interesting games this week is going to be that Eagles-Giants game. You've got a desperate Giants team and an Eagles team that if they can go out there and kind of step on New York's neck and effectively end their season, they're going to be sitting at 2-1, and one, and it's going to be really hard not to take the Philadelphia Eagles seriously. Similarly, I mean, the Washington Redskins haven't looked overly impressive, but it's not like the Eagles blew them out of the water. They were able to beat a Rams team that all of a sudden is sitting at 2-1. and one. It might be better than we thought. This weekend they host the Oakland Raiders team. It looks like it might be one of the best in the AFC. If the Redskins could somehow pull that off and be sitting at 2-1 and one, coming off the victory over Oakland, hey, they might be on to something. Yeah, I'm interested. I mean, Redskins, I know they, they start out uh, slow, but now it looks like if they win this game, they, they can still be in the division. Um, staying in the NFC, though, you look at the Falcons, and clearly it looks like they're head and shoulders above the Packers, possibly the Seahawks, and even Panthers, you know, the ones in their division. Are the Falcons trying to erase what happened, of course, last year in that Super Bowl and, you know, that awful disaster of them blowing the lead and knowing that every game really, they got every team or every reporter to be asking them about that. And are they ready to just say, you know, let's, let's have a redemption season and try to win the Super Bowl this year? Yeah, two weeks into the year is premature to be crowning everyone, or crowning anyone, to coin Dennis Green. But it's hard to say that the Atlanta Falcons haven't looked like the most impressive team in the NFC, especially coming off. I mean, they took it to the Green Bay Packers. The score yeah. was closer than the game was. If anything else, it kind of erases that narrative that they faced the first couple of weeks of the year, hangover, 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 hangover. Then they came out, and the Bears gave them a tough go in week one, and it's hangover, 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 hangover. It's, just, it's going to be really important. Home field will be really important for the Atlanta Falcons. In the playoffs, you know, if they're at Lambeau Field this past week or at Lambeau Field in January, I think we're looking at a much different Packers-Falcons matchup than if you're playing at the Mercedes-Benz Dome. So they just got to keep winning. And, you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers look very impressive in that yeah. division last You got a 2-0 Carolina Panthers team. So the Falcons should have a little bit tougher go of it in the NFC South than they did a year ago. Yeah, speaking of the, the Buccaneers, I mean, you know, the, the, they look like they're going to be a good a team as, on the rise as well. But also, I look at Winston, I look at those weapons, and I say that they can possibly be a top 10 offense, but really it's going to be on that defense. Do you see them possibly trying to win the wild card this year, even though last year they were kind of short on that? Oh, I think they can compete for a playoff spot. I mean, I, you don't want to read too much into what they did to the Chicago Bears because well, yeah. while the Bears looked okay in week one against Atlanta, let's be real, the Bears are not a good football team. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what the Buccaneers are able to do this weekend when they go into Minnesota to play the Vikings, especially if the Vikings get Sam Bradford back. I mean, if it's Case Keenum, then you're kind of playing the JV Vikings. But if they, if they can go into Minnesota and get a win there, then that's a team some people view as a playoff contender. The key for the Buccaneers is going to be Jameis Winston cutting down on those turnovers. You just you cannot turn the ball over in the National Football League. It is the kiss of death. So if he goes out there and throws 17, 18, 19 interceptions again this year, that's going to put them in a tough spot where it comes to making the playoffs. But if he can cut down on that, say, to 10 or 12 interceptions, you look at the tools they have on offense, the young deep defensive talent they have, whether it's Gerald McCoy or Quan Alexander or Levante David. Yeah, I mean, Tampa could be a team to be reckoned with. You know, 
looking at also the Detroit Lions, and even though they're two and zero since like I guess two thousand seven or something like that, um, are they a team that we need to watch out, or it's just because it's two weeks in the season? You know, eventually they just might come back down to earth. I will find out soon enough. Litmus test this Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons. The game is in Detroit. And so I think the best possible scenario for Detroit is to be down six points at the beginning of the fourth quarter because if Matt Stafford looks up and sees, hey, we're down six, start of the fourth quarter, it's like, okay, I got this. And they go out yeah. and stage another fourth quarter comeback. You know, they're a decent team. I think they're still pretty clearly the second banana in the NFC North behind the Green Bay Packers. But at this point, given the problems, that the Vikings are having with Sam Bradford and that twice vertically repaired knee is, I don't think it's a huge stretch to say that the Lions are the second best team in that division. I agree with that. Uh, are the Cardinals done, in your opinion? Or it's too early the to Cardinals? say that? Yeah. Or it's too early to say that yet? Yeah. Carson Palmer, I, losing David Johnson was just a hammer blow. And if the first two games of this season are any indication, Carson Palmer is. If he isn't over the hill, he's at the top of it, headed down. So I just I can't imagine them being able to hang, even in a bad NFC West, which may not be as bad as we thought, given the way the Rams are playing. Yeah, to me that looks like a six or seven win team. Um, before we get to the AFC, I want to AFC. I wanted to ask you about this Colin Kaepernick situation because you know you see a lot of atrocious quarterback play for the past couple of weeks, and still there's no call of him, and he said it before that he's ready to play. Do you see him in any uh, situation this season where he actually plays for a team? Uh, probably not. I would think that if that situation – there are already situations that have presented themselves. I mean, you look at the Indianapolis Colts rolling out Scott Colsey yeah. and then Jacob Brissett. You look at the Jacksonville Jaguars clinging like grim death to Blake Bortles. Yeah. There are – there's already three or four teams that are starting quarterbacks at this point in the season that I would say Colin Kaepernick is a better option than those guys. The teams just don't want the headache that comes with the backlash from fans and all the media brouhaha that would come with a Kaepernick signing. So if I had to go one way or the other, my guess would be no, he does not play in 2007. Do we see him play possibly next season then? Or we're just not going to see him ever again in the NFL? Uh, once again, if I had to say one way or another, I'd say no. And it's a shame because, I mean, like what he does or hate it, I don't see where it's such a big deal that it should be a death knell for a guy's career. And it's not to say Colin Kaepernick is a phenomenal quarterback, but he's not a terrible one either. I mean, he did lead a team to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I, there are six or seven NFL teams that I could rattle off where he would be better than the current starting quarterback they've had. But in a league that's so starved for quarterback talent, where Jacoby Brissett will be starting a game this weekend, the fact that he doesn't have a job just speaks to um, a lot of NFL teams just do not want any kind of off-the-field controversy, anything that's going to have them in the headlines for the wrong reasons all week long. And if you sign Colin Kaepernick, much like it's kind of like the anti-Tebow, whereas Tebow was a circus just because he was Tebow, Kaepernick has become a circus because of his political views. And NFL teams do not like services. That's pretty sad, man. Especially when you consider the stuff that they do allow. Uh, you know, you've got uh, drug abusers on teams. You've got wife beaters on teams. And, you know, the Giants gave a, a an extension to their kicker after he came out and told everybody he was beating his wife up constantly. 
I, it, it's oh, just, I know. The morals just look real funny. Yeah, and I, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just, that's the way it is in the National Football League. And I, I hear what you're saying, given what some of the guys in the NFL have done in their past, and they're still on rosters, and some of them are still starting on a weekly basis. Like I said, I just don't understand whether you agree with what Kaepernick's doing or disagree, that's fine. That's one of the great things about the country we live in is that we're free to agree and disagree. And to me, the idea of blacklisting a guy for his political views, personally, I find it un-American, but apparently a lot of people disagree with me on that. And also the fact that Kaepernick was really like one play away from winning the Super Bowl. I mean, look at that play, and that was clearly a hole in the Ravens. For all we know, that was a flag call. Maybe they would have won that that uh, Super Bowl, and everything would have been different. But it's just a shame that really, like, because of one guy saying what he believes in, that he's not in the league. He didn't even make a big. That's what really bugs me out, is that it's not like he disrupted the game. No, he was literally saying. sitting on the side, minding his own. Like he was just sitting there. I, I, I would never would have known it was happening if the camera not panned over to him. That's true. I guess we'll never, we'll never know, though. Um, looking at the AFC, though. Real quick, a curse on the Bears. A curse on Chicago. You bring that dude back and won't give Kaepernick a shot, you deserve absolutely no victories. Do you agree with that, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> curse on the Bears. Oh, I don't know. About the only team I believe lives under a curse at this point would be my beloved Cleveland Browns, who find a new way to lose every week. If they can't beat the Colts this week, I think I'm just going to climb inside my oven. Well, see, the thing about the Cleveland Browns, I mean, at least they're making strides to improvement, but, you know, it's still a long way to go. And and speaking of that division, though, um, you got the Steelers, you got the Ravens, you got the Browns. Um, damn, I don't know what the other team from that division is. Um, but looking at Cincinnati, Cincinnati yeah, because they've been atrocious too. So it's just clearly like the Steelers' way of saying, you know, let's win the division or, or if we lose this, then we're really idiots and we, we're going to be a wild card team. I think Pittsburgh is pretty clearly the class of the AFC North. I mean, granted, the Ravens are off to a 2 0 start and they deserve some credit for that. I would say they're a pretty heavy favorite to probably beat the Jaguars this weekend in London. I just don't know that I trust Baltimore's offense to be able to put enough points for them to be able to sustain success. I mean, they might be able to stay in the hunt for a wild card spot as we move into November and December, but you know, Pittsburgh's defense has been playing well, and for them that's always been kind of their Achilles heel, at least in recent years, which is weird because for so many years Pittsburgh was all about defense. Yeah, but That's become an offensive team of late. And these first couple weeks of the year, the offense hasn't necessarily been firing on all cylinders, but the defense has been playing well. And that offense is going to come around. Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. Those guys are going to get theirs. And I think by the end of the year, you're probably – Pittsburgh's probably a good bet for 11, 12 wins, and that's going to win the North. Now, they can win all these games, but we all know that the Steelers in their mindset are saying, how can we beat the Patriots? Is there any way that they can beat the Patriots unless they have home field advantage? You know, the Patriots, the overwhelming Super Bowl favorites entering the year. Some people were talking 16 and 0. Yeah. But they've, shown some vulner- they've shown some vulnerabilities in these first couple games. The second, their supposedly star studded secondary has struggled a little bit. They've gone so far as to bench Malcolm Butler. Now there are rumors that he could be traded. Wow. The loss of, the loss of Dante Hightower in that first game really exposed how little depth the Patriots have at the linebacker position. And once Hightower went down, they had just no answer at all for Kareem Hunt and that Kansas City offense. 
But, you know, they're still the big bad of the NFL. They're the New England Patriots. You just you expect the Patriots to fix what's broken and to be right there at the end of the year. And if they get home field advantage, I mean, your odds of going into Gillette Stadium and beating the Patriots in the playoffs are slim to none, unless you're the Baltimore Ravens, because for some reason, yeah. Joe Flacco <laughs> has New England's number in the postseason. So the hope that... Baltimore sneaks in with that wild card and maybe plays New England in the second round, and there you might maybe might be able to knock the king of the hill off. Other than that, I still, to me, New England's still the favorite to represent the AFC. Yeah, Baltimore, for some reason, when they go, go over there, they just went in. And then we also had that one year where the Jets went up there and won that, and that was like a great moment in my life, of course, when they won that. But, um, you know, it's, with the pages, though, you know, Tom Brady's four years old. And we said it before, like, we were talking about it just recently that they're going to fix all of this. But is there going to be a time where it's just like, you know, that's it, it's over, you know, there'll be a new regime over somebody else eventually because it, it can't last forever. I mean, the guy cannot play until he's 45 and expect to be like he's not going to get hit ever again. And then, he's you know, he's going to be playing free football or something like that because if you get hit one time, you're not that age. I think you're just probably done. It's going to be really interesting to see this off this coming off season what the Patriots do with Jimmy Garoppolo because his contract's going to be up. I know a couple of people have mentioned you could just slap the franchise tag on him, but then you're spending twenty million dollars give or take on your backup quarterback, which would just cripple your salary cap when it comes to adding talent at other positions. You'd have to shed talent at other positions just to get under the cap. So they're going to have some difficult decisions to make in the not too distant future. But, you know, Brady struggled against the Chiefs. You hear grumblings, oh, there we go, he's 40 years old. <laughs> yeah. He could be done. And then he goes out and throws three touchdown passes against the Saints in the first quarter. So, old man Tommy ain't done yet. Well, I can tell you this, though, that, that Madden cover, it's always been known to be cursed to the players. So, if there's one guy that can beat that, it could be him. But seeing all this happening with Julie Ullman out for the year, Daniel Madola, like, struggle, you know, getting injury problems and the secondary being bad, I mean, you could say this curse is really for real for people who are on that cover. Well, I don't know if you could count the Peyton Hillis cover because, let's be honest, he wasn't good to begin with. So. <laughs> well, well, what about the one with um, with uh, Calvin Johnson? He's not in the league anymore. He was on the cover. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, he was on the league. Sean, Sean Alexander and the Seattle Seahawks in 07 wasn't even on the league anymore. Michael Vick was on 04, and look what happened there. And Brett Favre was there, and he was with the Jets, and then he got injured. Uh, last year was um, what was a Gronk Alkowski. He was out for the year, but he still won a Super Bowl. So it's like, yeah. And, like I said, guys, the only curse that I'm buying into is the Cleveland Browns are cursed for eternity. Factory set. No, they got to figure out eventually. Every, every team figures out. I like my Jets. They're struggling right now. We don't know what they're going to do. And speaking of the Jets, though, I mean – Look, Do we have to speak about the Jets? Well, at least they're better than what the Giants are doing right now. You know, they're own two, but they don't look like they're own two team. It's just like they don't have talent. The Giants have talent. That's a difference right there. Jets have basically not not that much talent, and yet, well, you know, they're gonna be having a horrendous season and everything. But looking at Todd Bowles and his job situation, I mean, is there any way where he can keep his job after the season, knowing that they're gonna have a horrendous season? Probably not, but I don't know that it's with any of it's really Todd Bowles' fault. He's playing the hand he's dealt, and right now his cards are terrible. So I don't know that the Jets are going to be able to go out and find a better coach than Todd, but they will because you've got to find a scapegoat, and a lot of times that's the head coach. What the Jets better do this season is pray and work really hard 
to lose. You do not want to screw up and win four games and lose out on they get that number one overall draft pick, whatever it takes. Go out there and put 110% effort into losing every – if you have to go 0-16 to do it, then do it. <laughs> and, you know, Jeff Hans will sign that up. But we know in one thing about players when it comes to tanking. They don't like to tank. They want to win games. And it's not its not that – you know, fans, we want them to lose. But if we were in their shoes and we had that situation, don't you think that as a player we just want to win for pride and stuff? Yeah, losing gets very old for players. you got to remember, these guys wouldn't be – where they are in life were they not all 100% alpha male super competitive I mean they competed everything so yeah it wears on them and I don't think any NFL team is going to go out there and intentionally try to lose and we'll save that for the NBA (laughs) for the Knicks the Jets are a really bad team and what they need they just need to embrace the fact that they're a bad team because it would be the most Jets thing in the world for them to win Two. Three games yeah. in December, and follow up the sixth pick in the draft, and all three of the high-end quarterbacks are going in the top five, and the Jets will be left sitting there staring at Josh McCown and Christian Suckenberg <laughs> and Bryce Petty for another year. Yeah, you ever seen? Yes, I called him. Yes, I called him Suckenberg. He said the most Jets thing they could do. That's hilarious. <laughs> But that they they've been doing this though every season. No, the best thing it's, ever. It's just the fact that they're now. It's a verb. It's are, like, you gonna, are you really gonna jet this up? Seriously? Well, gonna, it's almost like are you gonna nick this up too? You're gonna nick this. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same go. thing. Well, okay. That that's really 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 painful. It is, but we're not, at least we're not the Nets or anything for the Knicks. But, you know, going with Jessica, Christian Hackenberg, I mean, he, have you seen an awful quarterback like this? Because I've never seen anybody like this where literally he looks at one guy and everybody knows on that defense he's got to throw it to him. And that's why he gets picked off or he doesn't get anything and gets like a deflection off a defender. Have you seen anything like that? Yeah, it takes a lot of effort to steadily decline as a player from the freshman year of college on. Good Usually point. players trend in the other direction. But Christian Hamburg has pulled it off. Every year, he somehow gets worse than he was the year before. So I shudder to think what he'll be like in three years. I don't think he's going to be in the league. And yet Kaepernick doesn't have a job. I can't I can't understand I, it. I can't get it. I just don't get it. He even said he wouldn't take a knee anymore. I don't I don't get it. I'm so well, there's, there's zero chance that Woody Johnson would ever consider signing Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Given Woody Johnson's politics, mm-hmm. forget it. Yeah, we we all know one thing. He he's definitely that guy where he's not gonna sign Kaepernick. It's just it it, it smacks these policies, this blacklisting just smacks. It. I feel if, if you were a fan of this team, you should feel like they're just spitting on you almost. It's like smacking you in the face. They just don't want to win, but, and they'll just do all kinds of things to not win. Just go in the opposite direction. But Jeff fans know they were gonna lose the season anyway. So even if they sign Kaepernick, then then they will know they'd be a decent team. And I don't think they want to be decent. Well, team, right, yeah, then there's that. And to the Jets' credit, at least this year they finally came to grips with the fact that they're not good. So they jettisoned a lot of veteran talent, and they kind of embraced the idea that, hey, we're going to have to rebuild this thing from the ground up. Yeah. Which, if nothing else, that beats the last few years where they're like, hey, you know, we just had one or two players. We might be able to sneak into the playoffs. No, you're not going to sneak into the playoffs. You stink. <laughs> so <laughs> start over. 
give it a two or three, and it's just going to take some patience from the fans, and whether it's Todd Bowles or whatever coach they decide on next year, they're going to need to be patient with him the way that I hope the Browns will be patient with you, Jackson. Because what kills the franchise is you get stuck on a hamster wheel of losing. You lose for a couple of years, so they decide, okay, this isn't going to work, and they fire the head coach, and they fire the general manager, and then the new guys come in, and they look around at the roster, and they say, oh, no, 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 these players won't work, so I need to bring in my guys, which it's going to take a couple of years, but during those two years, they lose, so you fire the coach, you fire the general manager, and it just keeps repeating over and over and over, and you're stuck in neutral forever. Yeah, and also, like... like you look at the great franchises like the Patriots, the Steelers, even the Giants in that extent. They, they, Steelers only had three head coaches throughout their whole franchise. That's three crazy. Three head coaches, and they won five of them. And for the Patriots, you know, they found one now, and it's, it's, it's successful, and they want to keep that tradition. The Giants, too, they don't, they don't really have that many head coaches, and you don't have that many general managers either, and yet they found success. So it's almost like the franchises that have found success, you have that one coach. Stability. For st- Yeah, stability. stability. There's no stability for the Jets or the Browns. This is the same argument I make when it comes to Kobe Bryant and Tim Duncan. You know, you can compare them all day, but Tim Duncan has had one system, one coach, one GM, one team. Kobe has gone through how many different players, how many different coaches, how many different, like, with a team that's always up and down. You provide stability. You never know what you're going to – like, stability is always a better a better look. The Patriots and the Spurs are, for my, for my money, prime examples of that. You agree with that, Gary? Yeah, continuity built in momentum. And if you and you have to be unafraid of that occasional bump in the road where you have a bad season, which the, the Patriots and Spurs don't do that. But if you have faith in your coach and faith in your organization, I'll have Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh every couple of years the Steelers don't make the playoffs. Or even John Harbaugh in Baltimore. I mean, the yeah. Ravens have struggled the past few years. If they don't make the playoffs this year, I think it's the longest. They're already mired in their longest playoffless streak since the team moved to Baltimore in 1995. You haven't really heard any talk out of Charm City about John Harbaugh's job being in any real jeopardy or Ozzie Newsom's job being in any real jeopardy because ownership has faith that those guys will be able to fix things, and odds are they will. They've shown that they can, and it beats blowing everything up every two years, which the Browns are the Zen masters of firing coaches and general managers. <laughs> That's true. But you also got John Harbaugh. I mean, he did draft the Joe Flacco, so I feel like they want to have that quarterback and coach you know, relationship until you know that time comes where they either – let go of that, and then they move on. So, you know, you got to look at that and also look at Mike Tomlin and his situation when he got the Steelers. I mean, they did win one Super Bowl, but he also had a positive record despite them not being successful. So that, they keep that in mind as well. Yeah, and the Ravens' biggest problem right now is they need to – Flacco's contract is hurting that team. Yeah. And it's we're seeing that happen with the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. And with several – when you're paying a quarterback – $20, $25 million a year, it just puts such a dent in your salary cap resources that it winds up costing you at other positions. You know, Seattle's got all that money invested in their defense, too, so they don't really have money to spend on that offensive line, and it shows. The Ravens have a ton of money invested in Joe Flacco. It's cost them at other positions, and it shows. So it's kind of the balancing act that NFL teams and teams are just now – trying to figure this out because we've only had this new CBA for a few years. I mean, those cheap rookie deals are great while you have them. But when those guys come up for those big paydays, you've got to be a pretty good juggler or else your team is going to start sprouting leaks. Yeah, that's true. 
you know, staying in the AFC though, you look at the Oakland Raiders, and I know they beat the Jets, and I know they beat the the Titans, but looking at them, it looks like they're taking a step where they're for real. They're not like, and now it's only two weeks, but and we'll find out more this week, especially when when they face um, the, the Washington Redskins. But looking at that team, is it time for them to say that they can overthrow the Pages or the Steelers or those teams in the AFC and and be that that class where they they try to dominate for the next two or three years or maybe even five years? It seems odd to say it, given that we're talking about an Oakland team that's loaded with <laughs> offensive firepower. Yeah, that team's going to go as far as their defense takes them. That's true. Because that was the weakness last year was their defense was not very good. They didn't add a whole lot on that side of the ball. They did bolster the secondary some in the draft and with a pre-agent or two, and obviously Khalil Mack is one of, if not the best defensive players in football. But if that, and it, that's the thing. In these first two games, especially in week one at Tennessee, that defense played well. And if they can continue, they don't have to be a great defense. They don't have to be a top-five defensive team. But if they can just be good defensively, you know that offense is going to go out there and put up points. And if they can get you know top 15 defensive play, they're as good as any team in the National Football League. That is, when I look around the AFC right now and I'm thinking to myself, what team has the best chance to knock off the Patriots? It's probably the Oakland Raiders. And you could have done it last year, too, if, if they, uh, their car didn't get injured by the end of the season. So we could have saw that coming. Yeah, they were... I, Last year, before Carr went down, I was saying the same thing about the Raiders. First team in the AFC that can beat New England is Oakland, which who wouldn't love a January sequel to the Tuck Rule game? I mean, what's not to love about that? Yeah, it started from the beginning of Tom Brady and it ends now with Oakland. I mean, well, that will be some kind of, like, circle of life, if anything. If you had the Patriots and the Oakland Raiders meet up again if when Tom Ray's old and this and you know, remember that's all started the tuck rule, but now it's like a an old different generation to see if that would ever happen. Um so I guess I can ask you this then about the AFC, who you have coming out of it, even though it's early, but who you have coming out of the AFC going into the Super Bowl? You know, my Super Bowl prediction entering the season was Patriots Packers. And even though Green Bay just got shelled by Atlanta, yeah. we're only two weeks in, so I'll stick to my guns. Although the Atlanta Falcons look very good two weeks in the year. I'm going to stick with the New England Patriots, the Green Bay Packers, and as unsettling as it is for me to have to say it, I think Brady gets a sixth. Ooh. He gets a sixth ring and, wow. ends, and ends the discussion as the go of sports, even, if he gets that. Oh, it's, I think he'll put to rest any discussion as to who there. I, I think he already has put to rest any discussion of who the greatest quarterback ever was. But it's, with six rings, he'll be in discussion to be the greatest football player, period, ever, because no other quarterback has done it. And it's I'm not a great fan of the Golden Boy. I'm not a great fan of the Patriots just because they win so much, and as a Browns fan, it makes me nauseous. Yeah. But for a guy to be drafted where he was and all the knocks on him coming out of college about how you know, he's too slow, his arm wasn't strong enough, his delivery was too funky, he wasn't accurate, blah, 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 <laughs> and that win five Super Bowls and go to seven at this point in his career, it just shows you how much scouts don't know. But it also tells you how much development really does factor into a player. Like, if you really develop any player in this league, regardless of where you're drafted, they can be what they can be. But it's also on that player, too. I mean, Brady's a guy who, who just wants to win, so he'll do whatever it takes. But also with the right system, the right players, you know, the right 
coaching staff and everything to develop him into who he is today. I mean, he, he even earlier in his career, he even factor in and saying that, you know, the defense really won those Super Bowls. And, and he, he knows that. Like, he th- their defense was the reason why they won those first three. And then the last two was, and it's kind of ironic to say this, but their defense too because they did have some stops. They had that pick against Seattle. They had stops against the Falcons, which would give him time to make the comeback. So it's almost like, you know, it's a team effort at the end of the day. People will say Brady has five Super Bowls, but that defense really helped him to become what he is as well. Yeah, give them credit as well. Um, in the truest sense, the New England Patriots are a team. Yeah, and that the, mm-hmm. they have that mentality, they have that philosophy, <laughs> and it's all the success has helped breed it. They don't; it ain't over till it's over in their mind, and they show that obviously this past year against the Falcons in the Super Bowl, and it makes them dangerous. You know, hope makes you dangerous. Well, it makes them scary too, because I remember when I was watching that game, I was like talking to my friend we were watching i was like oh he's gonna he's gonna probably do this again where he comes back and ties it up and everything because he always does this brady and and that's what makes him such a scary quarterback is because he, he for some reason when the things go don't go his way even a few years ago when he gets the 49ers he was down really big too he only lost that game but he literally just willed him into like a tie game and then how happened it was funny how happened was that quarterback and he beat him there but it was like his will is what makes him great. I think the fact that we see quarterbacks that are skilled and they, you know have arm strength, they have mobility, they make these plays. But I think what separates such a great quarterback or even a great individual is the ability to will yourself into doing things that you know you can't, that people think you can't do, but you do it. And he tends to do that a lot. Yeah, and then he spreads that attitude to everyone else on that offense, everyone else on that team. I mean. A lot of other NFL teams, they were down 28-3 in the, late in the third quarter of the Super Bowl, would probably just say, okay, that's it. And, you know, the, the fourth quarter would have been fairly uneventful, and the Atlanta Falcons would have held up the Lombardi Trophy. But the Patriots looked at it and said, ah, we got, what, 18, 19 minutes left? We can do this. And they did it. Yeah, I think it's possible if you know what you can do. It's also about situational football, and, and Belichick, from time to time, that's what he does best, situational football. He prepares every single person, whether it's your first, second, third string, even undrafted players, and they rise up to the occasion. And I think that's a also, you know, having your coach's personality on the field. You're a hard worker, and you keep going, you're grinding, and that's what the Patriots are. They're a grinding team, and they also show that when it, things don't go their way, they, they rise up to the occasion. Plus, that Bill Belichick is one snappy dresser. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm sure that doesn't hurt. It doesn't, but I still, I still rather it. have Aaron Rodgers. But that's just you know, that's just me. We had this conversation before me and Mr. Mike about if Aaron Rodgers was on the Patriots he'd probably win more Super Bowls than Brady. Do you think you agree with that? Oh that's a hard one. Yes. Told you. Because of his talent, right? Yeah. I think Tom Brady, just for, just for the record, just for the record, because I don't want it said that I'm slandering anybody <laughs> with disrespect. I believe Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback, but I believe Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback. I think talent-wise, he's more talented than Brady, but I think Brady is greater because of his achievements, his system, the rings, absolutely. I don't take anything away from And he's a, he's a very, very, very elite-level quarterback, but I just personally – I've always felt that Aaron, if Aaron Rodgers was in that system and was able to play with Belichick and all the things that Belichick puts around Tom Brady, I, I definitely think they'd have, he'd have more rings. I don't think he would have lost to Eli those two times. Just 
me personal. <laughs> what do you think of that? I don't know. Maybe it's not Brady that the Giants just have the voodoo mojo over. It might just be that whole franchise, and it don't matter who you put in there at quarterback. They're going to bounce passes off a guy's helmets. And... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you look at that 07 game, how much better can a team be than the New England Patriots were that year? Yeah, yeah And right. the Giants beat them. You're right. I think it's something to do with Belichick. Also, the fact that he came from the Giants, he coached. You know, he was on those Super Bowl teams for Blue Parcells. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's always a thing where you know you face your former team and you had that success. And also, looking at it this way, Tom Coughlin was part of that tree as well. That's all he knows probably things about Bill Belichick. He knows what he would do, what he he can't do, and this and that. And you know, he comes from that same tree of uh, running running backs by committee and. and you know, having a good defense and quarterback making other people around them better or anything. So I guess you could put that in, into a, a factor as well because Tom Coughlin, he does know Belichick. So I think that kind of helped him in winning those Super Bowls. And to his credit, you know, for all his flaws, Eli Manning is one heck of a big game quarterback. Yeah, even when they lost against the Lions, he made this this weird throw and he got hit while making it. So it's like. He's tough, man. Eli Manning's a tough, tough quarterback. Ice Waterman, he's a flatliner, dude. But that's what I love about him. He that that last pass doesn't count. He doesn't care about what happened in the last pass. He will go for it again every time and try and kill you. I I love him for that. I just wish I just wish we protected him better. I wish he had more than you know nanoseconds to throw the ball. It's true. Um, I guess. Yeah, I, and there's, the oh. Giants need to scheme ways to try to compensate for that line you need more quick hit passes more like i said more scans or rubs scheme these guys open if they're not getting open on their own scheme them open just think outside the box a little bit then you're supposed to be an offensive coach let's see some offense but see why is it that you can say this and and you'll hear it from Stephen a smith max kellerman shannon sharp all the analysts, everybody, everybody you listen to every mike vick everybody is saying the same thing everybody has a million ideas for the giants Everybody knows what the problems are. Everybody has a ton of solutions, and you never see them implemented. What? What? What is that? Ego. Yeah, I know everything. I'm the head coach. I know better than all those schmucks on TV. They don't know what's talking about. I'm the head coach. I'm the guy with the playbook, and my stuff will work. Which is one of the worst. And this is it's another testament to Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick will do whatever wins a football game. He will complete his. He will take his offensive and defensive game plans and run them both through a paper shredder in five seconds. It, it completely abandoned. Switch up on the fly. He's the best coach in the National Football League at changing game plans, not just game to game based on opponent. He'll change it from quarter to quarter, from drive to drive. If something's not working, he's like, okay, this doesn't work. Let's move on to the next thing. And he just keeps going until he finds something that works, and then he will beat you to death with it. This makes him great. I mean, literally, it's about adjusting, and it also looks like also about ego. And you see Belichick, I know he does this, but that's why, like him and Popovich, they don't want players who want ego. They want players that are team guys and, and they accustomed to what they do and you look at guys like Ben Magnadu and other coaches in the league of course you know they want to follow their scheme and, and their way of playing and, and that's kind of what's hurting them and if Ben Magnadu wants to be still the head coach of the Giants he might have to adjust and say this is not working we got to do something different 
Yeah, McAdoo coming out and chucking his quarterback under the bus after the Detroit game was not an especially good look. It wasn't, but, if, you know, I guess Eli knows the situation. He knows he can handle that stuff from his head coach. But we don't, I know he's not going to attack his other players because he doesn't want to lose the locker room. So he catches the, the quarterback for some reason. But, you know, the only time will tell this weekend when we're finding out the Giants are actually going to win this game, at least to save their season. So we'll see from that. Oh, yeah. It's, it is do or die time for Big Blue. Yeah, definitely. So I'll ask you this last question then, since you had your Super Bowl picks and everything. Is there any team in the league right now that we need to look out for that's like a sleeper team and, and might surprise everybody? Oh, I don't know if you can really call them a sleeper, but I picked them as a playoff team entering the season. And although they disappointed me a little, I thought they played the Raiders better in week one. You know, I think the Tennessee Titans – are a better team than they've shown the first couple weeks of the year. I mean, they pounded Jacksonville, but that's not exactly a huge achievement. He's a great young quarterback in Marcus Mariota. Yeah. One of the better offensive lines in football, and we're seeing how important that yeah. offensive line play can be. They've got a two-headed running back monster in Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray, and I think we're going to see more of Derrick Henry this week with DeMarco nursing a sore hamstring. The receiving talent hasn't really gelled yet. But I think that's as much a factor of the way the preseason and offseason workouts are. You know, we're seeing a lot of offenses that are out of sync early in the season. I expect them to get better throwing the football as the year wears on. And they've got some talent on the defensive side of the ball. Tennessee's still my pick to win the AFC South. And not only do I, I think they can win a playoff game. Yeah, I think I think they could definitely win a playoff game. I think with that young team and, and, and the way they're drawing right now, especially Marcus Mariota, and the offensive line, and, and even their young just studs on wide receiving tight end and running back. I think they have a chance to do something to the other teams in the league, but also in the AFC, of course. But, you know, it's the him and Winston right now, and these two young quarterbacks were in, in the same draft class. So we'll see what one of them can be and, and if they're living up to their expectations, of anything. Well, hey, you know, we're seeing the top two quarterbacks from the 2016 draft, I mean, Carson Wentz came out of the gate really well last year, played it down the stretch. And obviously, Jared Goff struggled immensely. But we're seeing both those young quarterbacks take, at least in the early going this year, a big step forward. So it just goes to show how important to a franchise it can be if you can hit on one of those first-round quarterbacks. And the odds of hitting on a guy like that are much higher if you're able to get one of those guys with the first pick or the second pick, which is all the more reason why the Jets need to follow my advice, just embrace the suck, and go get a quarterback next year. Uh, hopefully they do, because they get that quarterback, the franchise will be changed, and hopefully it has, heads to them into being the Super Bowl contender for the last five, ten years, if, if with the right pieces, of course, if they can manage to do that. So we'll see if that happens. We'll and they've got some pieces on deep. Leonard Williams can play. Yeah. Um, Wilkerson's a good player last year, notwithstanding. Could use some inside linebacker help. I don't think Darren Lee's going to be the answer for the team there. And I think Jamal Adams, not off to the start I would hope for from the but I'm not going to read too much into two games. I think Jamal Adams is going to be a star at the back end of that defense. Yeah, for sure. Well, Gary, thanks for you. You know, thank you for being on the show. 
we talked a lot about the NFL and everything, and we'll definitely be in touch throughout the season because, you know, it's just starting and we're approaching the first quarter and we got three more quarters to go. Now, see, here's the funny part. He wouldn't even know that I was protesting the season, that I haven't watched the game. I told you I could just go to ESPN, check the highlights, and be able to keep up. I told you, man. Yeah, he's my co-host is protesting until, you know, if Kaepernick shows up to the – you know, it comes into the NFL or anything, but he's still catching up on the highlights. It's ESPN, man. ESPN is saving my life. I'm fine. I got the paper. I got cable. I pay the bill. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'll be fine. Just meet it halfway and just watch NFL Red Zone. That way you're not really watching the games. You're just watching the good parts. That's true. Red Zone does I'll, 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 I will consider it. It has the word NFL in it. I don't know if I can do anything NFL. Well, it's Red Zone. Well, thanks for being on the show, man. We'll be in touch. Yeah, my pleasure. You're All the right. man, bro. Peace. Yeah, so, you know, looking at that show, I mean, looking at everything, just like the whole role perspective of this NFL season, and we know what the Giants situation is. We know what the Jets situation is. We know that Oakland's on the rise. We know that a lot of teams are on the rise in the NFC, even like the Panthers, they're coming back. Uh, the Buccaneers are coming back. I say this first quarter, I think it's just an overall – experience or looking at from my perspective of the preseason still heading into the regular season like a lot of these teams are still trying to get ready for for that deep run in the playoffs or even that deep run november and december which is when football count the most that's that's where that's where it all comes together yeah but that's that's where he, he said it himself he's he's expecting a lot of these teams to pull it together yeah and you know make make sense of it by by the time we get to december so and it's also just just looking at this you know perspective Seattle Seahawks, they're one and one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Giants are only two, but you know they've been only two before. And they used to try to bounce back up, but this might be different because if they lose against the Eagles, then their season's over, which a lot of people would say, because the season just gets harder and harder and harder. And um, Seattle Seahawks, they just somehow they try to find a way to make it right in October and November, and then December comes in, they're they're already like on fire and everything. I'll look out for the Rams, though. I know they won against the 49ers. They did beat the crap out of the Colts. You know, um, they're a team that you need to watch only because Jared Goff. I mean, I think he's really taking that step. But the thing is, is that can his receivers stay healthy? Because right now you have two of the the weapons on the offense that are right now are just, um, you know, they're in, they're in concussion protocol. So that's going to be tough. Which is crazy. Yeah, and they're 2-1. and one, And they're going to face the Cowboys. Basically, on October 1st, and, and Cowboys, I look at that team, I think a lot of people already knew that they're a running team. So when you stop the run, they pretty much can't do anything because they're making Prescott, Prescott throw, and he's not really that thrower. He's just the guy that's going to make the play, this and that. So the Broncos, though, they impressed me because if Trevor Simmons playing the way he's playing, they have a chance to, to be a contender. And they thought they were already contender with that defense, but with the quarterback, it just makes them even more dangerous. Because now they have a running game. Now he's he's making throws now mm-hmm. in the end zone to Emmanuel Sanders and and um, Demarius Thomas. Like these guys are elite receivers in their position. And you have a quarterback like that making throws makes them even more dangerous. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I, I just that defense, man. The, the, the Giants face that. <laughs> You know what's gonna happen. You know, I'm so mad you couldn't even finish that sentence. With that offensive line problem, oh my god! You know, Vomer's gonna have a field day trying to sack Eli Manning. You could not finish that sentence without laughing. That's so funny. Because we know what's gonna happen in that game, especially if they don't fix their offensive line. 
which they're not gonna do. Von Miller's gonna have a field day. Yeah. He's gonna sack. He's gonna. You know what he's gonna do? He's gonna attack Eric Flowers all game long, and you know he can't stop him. He's gonna go right at Eli Manning. If I was Eli, I'd put the substitute in. You know what I would do? I would just get the ball fall down. Get the who? I get the ball fall down. I don't know if Ron Miller's right there waiting. I'm just, I'd I'm be just passing there. all game. Yeah, I'd, I'd not not even not even throwing. I'd just be handing off. You know what's disappointing me in the Giants? No Brandon Marshall. Yeah. He has become awful right yep. now. Yep. Now nah, I have no idea why. Fantasy wow. football purposes, he should be droppable right now at this point because he's just been awful. That's how bad he is. He, he's destroyed teams. He destroyed teams. Jimmy Graham has destroyed teams. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson has destroyed teams. David Johnson's injury to the Cardinals has definitely destroyed Detroit the top team. teams yeah, in the yeah, league. Yeah. I mean, it's like fantasy football. You're just praying that these guys stay healthy. Just run amok. Yeah. yeah it's, it's crazy. I, I can't imagine people's like, if this was – if this was March Madness, there'd be so many messed up brackets right now. There'd be so many busted brackets. I had busted bracket until like the round of 32, I think, or something like that. And then I got a busted bracket, so I was mad. But I saw my pick right at the end. I had North Carolina winning it, so I was right about that. Well, yeah. I'm usually right about like the final thing of anything or the, like, the whole bracket being right. But, you know, that counts too. But, yeah, like, and then you look at the AFC. Look at Oakland. Look at the Steelers. Bengals are struggling mildly. Steelers, you know, they're still there. Um, Oakland Raiders are on the rise. Chargers, we didn't even talk about the Chargers really because they they just been becoming a team where they just somehow mess up at the end and not win for some reason. I don't know why. Which is a good reason not to talk about. Yeah, Phil Rivers is a elite quarterback, but he has bad luck for some reason. Winning these games with a field goal or something like bad that. Bad coaching. And then also that too. I feel like if Phil Rivers won the Jets a few years ago, Jets could have been like a Super different Bowl story. Contender. Yeah, no, totally different. Legit I, Super I Bowl contender. I agree. And he's not a scrub. You know, no. he's, he's, his stats are like Hall of Fame stats. He's played with LT, you know, when he was coming into the league, too. So, LT knows, like, you know, this guy is good. He's not bad or anything. He's like in that Drew Brees class, you know. Mm-hmm. The Drew Brees, though, he's just struggling, too, because they just have no defense. And and, and Agent Pearson gives the death stare look to Sean Payne about not getting more carries and stuff like that. People making a meme out of that. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, if you look at the meme, he's, like, literally just staring at him. Hilarious. So, you know, I listened to earlier this week about uh, on uh, on ESPN, uh, Donald Greco's rant on the offensive line of the Giants. He made some, like, remark about the Pythagorean theorem or everything because people, like, analytical people will be like, oh, 26% of the time, you know, this and that alliance. And he's just going hard because it's football and the line's atrocious and people going hard about the act, you know, being this analytical about the line and everything. Mm-hmm. It just comes to show you how, how surprised Giant fans are. Because they thought they'll be two and zero, like you, for instance. I totally you did. thought they'd be two and zero. I told totally you, did. I told you they'd be like one and one right now, if anything. Totally but they're zero and two right now, and it's just like the same problem over and over and over and over and over again since 2012. I keep saying 2012 because that's the time where that line was just going down. Yeah. Literally, and it still hasn't changed. See, I'm I'm out of space to argue with you. Because it's true. I'm out, of, I'm out of space to debate. Yeah, that's that's my whole thing. Like, I listen, I got to take an L when I got to take an L. It, these guys are just making liars out of me every time I say, hey, this could be a good look. And they just that. And it's all the, the worst part. The worst part for me is that there's no mystery as to where the problem is going to be anymore. It's the line. Yeah. I, I've, I've always... As a sports fan, you accept that things can go wrong. Yeah. 
you got this team. Doesn't mean it doesn't even matter what kind of sport, baseball, basketball, hockey, whatever, as long as it's a team sport, something even in an individual sport, if it's a boxer, he may break his hand. He may break his foot. He may sprain his wrist. Yeah. It could happen. One of many little things that can just go wrong. Baseball, pitching could be off that one night. Maybe some dudes can't get a hit. Maybe your first batter up, hits a home run and everybody else just you know, grounds out, and then the last guy strikes. You never know. You, you know, it's a team sport. It always depends on something. You never know what can go wrong. Basketball, shooting guard could be off. Maybe your center's not playing good defense. Maybe your forward can't can't buy a bucket. Maybe your point guard is missing his pass. He just turned the ball over. Bunch of little things. I say all that to say, every year with the Giants. You know exactly where the problem is going to be. So why haven't they fixed it? I have no idea. No, I, I do not know where the money's going. Man, he's not getting younger. He's not 25. He's, and, not, he's and, not running or anything. And he's a Super Bowl champ. You're really disrespecting his ability by allowing him to get beat up like this in his twilight years, basically, as a, as a football player. He's getting embarrassed. Is that, the Yankees would never do this to Derek Jeter. No, they, they wouldn't. They him off like crazy even the, when he the, got old. The Knicks never would have done this to Patrick Ewing. Like, it just, yeah. you just don't do that. They rode with Patrick till, you the know, end, they felt like they had to trade him. But yeah, but they still had pieces around to, to win. They always yeah. tried to collect yeah. something to, to, to get things started with them. They, you know, that's, and granted, that's where they started going wrong because they started always trying to add all-star players. But at the same time, you how can you – I don't understand how you disrespect Eli Manning like this. The man brought you two rings, and he went head-to-head with the greatest quarterback in the history of the game to get you those rings and beat him twice. You have to get this man more protection. Spend the money. Do what you need to do. Bust the salary cap at this point. I don't even care, but – you can't do this to a guy like that. That's just that's so disrespectful. So then the question I have is then why is Jerry Reese still have a job? No one knows. Fantastic. Yeah, you I know you're not asking me. <laughs> that's the question we need to answer really yeah, though. Right. Like why is he still have a job even though they, they haven't fixed the offensive line? They put all that money on defense and, and and to his credit, the defense was terrible the other year. So he had to do something. It wasn't just gonna be for the drive, it had to be for free agency as well. But this offense should have been about the offensive line. They should have been doing trades left and right in the draft or even in free agency together. to get a line. They could have gotten Joe Thomas from the Cleveland Browns. He's a good piece that yeah. could have helped out the Giants. Yeah. But for some reason, they feel that Eli Manning is Tom Brady or something where he can work with anything. And he could just work with an awful line and still be successful. Well, it, it would it would sound like the same philosophy that we just heard from um, Gary. From Gary, uh, I'm the coach. What I say goes. My way is the best. This is gonna work. And just we're gonna use my playbook. Like it sounds like that same thing. <clears throat> and that's an ego thing. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's an ego thing for anything you do. You know, your career or your job or anything. It could either destroy you or it can help you. But most of the time, it could destroy you. Because you have that pride in you that wants to do something that you want to do, but you don't want to sell the people what they tell you to do. I don't think we have a question of, you know, <coughs> if this is helping or hurting. Ask Eli Manning which one it's doing. No, it's hurting. But he's taking it and he's answering it professionally, these questions about him being called out by Ben McIndoo. I mean, even earlier this week he was talking about that and, and saying that, you know, I'm the quarterback, it's my fault and everything. And it's his New York City. 
you gotta get the criticism. You gotta get all that stuff. That's just the way it works. Yeah, but New Yorkers aren't criticizing Eli. Not knowledgeable football watching New Yorkers are not criticizing Eli Manning. We all know better. We we all know better. We all see Dallas play. We watch the Broncos play. All these places with super impressive offensive lines. Give them time. With they, the quarterback. they have given, and we see what happens when a quarterback, the, the Atlanta Falcons. We see what happens. Matt Ryan getting that right when Matty has time to do his thing. We we all know what it is. So no one, I don't think. I think when Eli falls on his sword, we're all like, I mean, yeah, that's nice, dude. But get up. We're not even mad at you. Get out the way. Like we're aiming these bullets at the places they need to go. Stop jumping in front of the shots. This has nothing to do with you. We know what what you're capable of when you have a line. When you when he's had a line, he brought us two rings. Exactly. When he had a line, he got a ring. He doesn't have a line. He people are starting to talk about well, is Eli Manning falling off? No, you idiot! Like he's the same guy. He's he, but he's playing with a handicap. It's give Eli Manning Dallas's offensive line. He's a different quarterback. And keep and keep uh keep Odell Beckham. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? With the defense we have, just swap offensive lines and call it a day. Man, please. I I don't want to hear that. I, I want everybody to. Back away from Eli Manning. I don't think anybody in New York is is uh, calling well, him to the table. Well, unless the the fans that just don't know anything about football are just saying you those know, aren't real fans. I don't count them. The, the, they're just talking the to talk. Bandwagon giant fans. Be yeah, like, oh, they're just talking. That. They'll be gone in like a month. Yeah, and they'll be back when we get another ring. So <laughs> I, I don't I don't listen to those dudes. Man, this is awful. I mean, at least we know the Jets are awful. So and they gotta just have a, a terrible scene, like Gary said. It's just 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 tank it out. Go 0-16, get the number one pick, and um, pray that you got a good quarterback. You get lucky. Because sometimes you get these quarterbacks in the first round, they don't plan out the way they, they plan out. And also development comes as a factor as well. So we talk about with Brady, like when he was getting drafted, the scouts saying he couldn't throw, he couldn't, he couldn't do this, he couldn't do that. And now he's like the greatest quarterback ever. Because of development. I should have asked him what he thinks uh, will will finally happen with Tim Tebow. Will Tim Tebow ever see another team? That's a good question, too. Anywhere. Anywhere. The CBA, anywhere. Can, can I don't CFA think so. I think he's taking on baseball. I think he's taking on baseball. All the way. We'll see. If he gets his opportunity to play in the MLB, I mean, a lot of people would say he plays better than football. Baseball and football. Well, he started out in baseball from what I remember. Yeah, he's a minor league guy now. So if he keeps playing the way he's playing, you don't know. We'll see. So, you know, I think we're going to end the show today from this football uh, day because basketball starts next week. So we'll be talking about media day. We'll be talking about training camp. We'll talking about Melo possibly training to the Trailer Blazers because he doesn't want to be part of the Knicks. He'll actually waive his no-trade clause for that. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think so either, but... I, every it, report I've seen... If he's forcing himself to trade to tra- the Trailer Blazers because he doesn't want to be part of the Knicks that media day and training camp and all that... I think he'll be. I think he'll be a Nick when it's all said. I'm just curious to see how everything is going to be this year and that core. If they're going to be good, I think Melo's going to stick around. I think with the coach, coaching differences. I think with Phil Jackson out of the picture, yeah. I, I'm not very much worried. I, I'm much rather. I think this will be the first time we actually see this Knicks team and, and what they're worth. And I hope they're worth a lot, man, because they're going to need it. Yeah, going to well, need all that. I'm still sticking by my original theory. 2018, the Banana Boat crew joins the New York Knicks. Melo is joined by his three brothers. 
and um, they ride off into the sunset, take out Golden State, bring a chip to New York for the first time in 40 years. Melo gets a chip, CP3 gets a chip, Wade and LeBron get two more, get get another one apiece, and they go down as legends. LeBron becomes the first guy to get a ring every place he's played. I think that's the ultimate legacy. All three places he's played, he got a ring. I think that's it. That happens, man. All I can say is that LeBron's a legend here, and all those guys that came here. Yep. That's got to count. Media money falls from the sky. <laughs> James Dolan makes an extra billion dollars. Yeah, be four point three billion. The team then if that yeah, happens. Like I just think, I just think that's incredible. I just think that's the smartest thing for any of them to do. Like it, it everybody involved, Dolan, Melo, LeBron, CP3, Wade. I think that's the smartest thing for all of them to come and do. Period. We'll see if that happens. That's gonna do it for today's show, guys. Though we're gonna be talking about um, basketball next week, so tune into that. But you can follow me at Morning's Ten. You can follow Mr. Mech here at M-R-M-E-C-C, Mr. Mech. And you can follow the Slam City Facebook page, you know, and of course the Sanchez underscore 360 account on Twitter. And before we sign off here, I just want you to know that you can also follow Gary Davenport at IDP Sharks. Uh, you can find him all on fantasy football. I know we didn't talk about with him that much, but he does have some good stuff about fantasy football, especially for those that have lost key players. So, and you can also listen to all the latest episodes on SoundCloud of Slam City. See you next week.